We all know the story of Cain and Hevel and how they both brought offerings to Hashem and Cain's didn't really go down so well. But did we realize that this is actually a lesson in the principle of Hidur Mitzvah? Well, that's the fascinating mistake that Cain made. Salaposuk commenting on the Pasuk that says that Cain brought a gift to Hashem from the produce of his land. Rashi explains what is it that Cain brought me, from the fruit or the produce that grows from the ground. And then he says, that which was the lesser product, not the best that he could have brought. And then he says that there's an Agada that says it was flax. So two things. It was less than the best, and it was, according to the Medrash, flax. So now we've got to ask ourselves, what's pushing Rashi to tell us this information? Well, we understand clearly why Rashi would have said that that Cain brought from the lesser product. Because if he hadn't brought lesser product, why would Abishad not have responded to his offering? So Rashi has to tell us, you know why the Abishad didn't respond? Because Cain brought B grade produce. But what we do have to understand is But why did Rashi also have to quote the Midrash that tells us what it was? That it was flax. What practical difference does it make to the simplest understanding of the Psukim? Now that we know that it's B-grade produce, why do we have to know if it's from flax or any other material? What's the difference? The question that we don't have to grapple with is, what would make Rashi think that it's Dafka flax? Because Rashi is quoting a medrash. Not like the first part of his commentary where he said it's B-grade produce. Without telling us where the source for that information is, even though it's also a midrash. So the fact that Rashi tells us that Pishton is from a midrash movement, that implies that according to the simple understanding of the Pesukim, it's not so obvious that the material that he brought, that the produce that he brought was actually flax. Rashi is telling us that's midrashic. So maybe he's telling us it's not that important. But still, doesn't help us escape the fact that if Rashi did quote this particular Midrash in his Pshat interpretation of the Psukim, then you have no choice but to say that the purpose of this was, Rashi, as Rashi himself always says, which helps us to satisfy and settle our understanding of the simplest lines in the Torah. In other words, that means to say that there's something about the Pasuk that is difficult to understand, and we'll resolve it. This particular difficulty in Pshat will be resolved by knowing this Midrash, that it was Zerapishton, that it was Flax. We need to understand what the difficulty is and how it gets answered. Now, here's an interesting thing. There are certain prints that when they quote this Rashi, after this have a parenthetical added explanation, an alternate explanation. When the Torah tells us that he took from the produce, that implies that it was whatever he first 
picked whatever came to his hand first, without specifically looking to find the good or the choicest product. Even though the original commentaries in Rashi don't include this alternate explanation. But it's obviously got to have some substance to it. Which is why it is sometimes included in the prints about Rashi. So now we've also got to look at this particular explanation of the fact that it just kind of whatever came to hand first. And then we have to ask ourselves, why then would Rashi need, in this version, two explanations? So we could easily explain why Rashi would not be satisfied only with the first explanation. Yeshleim as follows. If we're going to say that Kayan's mistake slash Avera was that he brought B-grade produce to Hashem, if it was that bad that he actually went and got rubbish to bring to Hashem, why did the Pasuk leave it open-ended? And just tell us that he brought produce. Why didn't the Torah tell us, or at least allude to the fact, that it was a lesser produce? Because look, in a moment, when, we dis- when the Torah describes the gift, the offering that Hevel brought, there it does tell us about what grade it was. That it was the firstborn of his flock. And the fattest of the flock. So that's actually what seems to bother Rashi. Why does the Torah leave it open-ended and not tell us, in fact, that it was B-grade produce, if it was. That's why Rashi has to bring a second period, because it actually seems a bit of a squeeze to say that the problem is that he brought lesser produce when the Torah doesn't allude to it. And the second explanation says, that it wasn't necessarily the worst of the produce, but rather, as the Pasuk indicates, some of the produce, to which the commentaries explain, or that Rashi is quoting, whatever he happened to find, whatever was easiest, whether it wasn't necessarily the best. And according to that interpretation, that's actually what Cain did wrong, that he didn't specifically look to bring Hashem the best possible produce, which he should have done. So that's the second explanation, which helps us to satisfy why the Torah didn't allude to the fact that it was bad produce, except it raises another question. We now have another question, which is, What makes absolute sense, according to the first interpretation, that Cain actually brought bad produce, Then we can understand why the Ebeshter wasn't willing to accept it. Because if a person has the chutzpah to dafka bring the lesser, worthless produce to Hashem, not only does it show us that the person doesn't honor Hashem properly, because honoring Hashem would require that you bring the best, actually, it would seem that he's dishonoring Hashem because if it's true that he's bringing the worst of the produce then that's a slap in the face to Hashem we understand why Hashem would not respond but how could you say according to the second interpretation that only because Cain did not invest enough effort to dafka bring the best of the best and just took whatever was easiest and quickest, 
So because of that, that Ebesha completely rejected his offering, he wouldn't return his attention to Cain. That's not so easy to understand. So let's try and explain it. The truth is that Rashi finds the explanation that Cain would have brought the worst of his produce or the B-grade produce to Hashem. Rashi finds that really difficult to believe. Let's ask ourselves, why is Cain bringing the suffering in the first place? Because he wants to show Hashem gratitude. So what would the possible logic be to say that you're going to bring something which is the worst when you're trying dafka to show gratitude? In which universe would that even be an option? So Rashi finds that very difficult. Besides that, after Cain realizes that Debesh is not responding to his offering, What's his response? He gets upset. And his whole demeanor drops. <laughs> That's also strange. Honestly, after he brought an offering to Hashem that was specifically chosen from the lesser produce, did he honestly believe that the was going to embrace it and, and accept such an offering? So therefore, we have no option but to say, that yes, true, Cain brought an offering, that didn't deserve Hashem's acceptance. Still, we have to say, there has to be some psychological space that allows that Cain could misread the situation, that Cain would believe that Debesha would be happy and would accept his offering. And we've got to work out what that psychological perspective is. That's what Rashi wants to explain. How Cain could have so badly misread the circumstances to believe that his offering is great when really it wasn't. Therefore Rashi explains that there are two possibilities of what it is that Cain brought as his offering. Either Minagorua Either he brought lower grade, but of what produce? Zera pishton hoya, specifically a flax. That's one possibility. So B grade flax. Or base hamincheloy hoysa minagorua. Or alternatively, it's not that he specifically brought lower grade produce. Ki imezeshaboli yadoi, loitoivaloi mufchor, kidele kamon, just without real attention and investment of time and energy, just whatever came to his hand first. Okay, so we'll explore the two possibilities. In doing so, in understanding and recognizing that Cain believes he's actually doing this right and then gets the surprise that Hashem doesn't accept it, that helps us to understand the flow of the psukim, which doesn't appear to be chronological. So now we'll answer a question that seems to be difficult about how the chronology plays out. The, the story begins as follows. Cain brings a gift to Hashem. Next part, part of the story is the Hevel Gamhu Goimer. Hevel also brought. Then it says Vayishasham al Hevel Goimer that Abisha turns his attention to accept Hevel's offering. And only after that, then we're told that Abisha did not pay attention to Kain. Vayichar Goimer and Kain got upset. Now, logically, that doesn't seem to flow. It should have said that Abisha did not respond to Kain. 
logically, after the Torah tells us, Cain brought an offering, then it should tell us, and Hashem didn't accept it, and that should have all happened before we got into any of the details of Hevel. And even if you'd like to explain it that it's because that first the Torah wanted to tell us first the Torah wanted to tell us about the two brothers and the fact that they each brought something to Hashem and what they brought and only after that to tell us which one was and which one was not accepted even if that's the flow of the Pasuk Still, it still should have first said that the Abishad did not accept Kayans. And only after that, in chronological order of how the story played out, that he did turn his attention to accept Hevel's offering, which would follow the chronology of who brought first. So why do we start with Cain, go through the full story of Hevel and the acceptance of his offering, and only then revert to the fact that Cain's was rejected? So there's actually a fairly simple explanation. That specifically after everybody, Cain and Hevel, see that Hashem accepts Hevel's offering. As Rashi tells us, that a heavenly fire descended and consumed his offering. Now you have the contrast. Cain sees what's happening to Hevel's offering, that it's accepted by Hashem because it's fire that consumes it, which didn't happen to his offering. Now, this is the first time Cain realizes that his offering has not been accepted because he doesn't have a measure until he sees what happens to Hevel's. And this is when he starts to get upset. That would be the simplest explanation. But based on what we are seeing, that Cain's whole psychology is that he believes he's doing the right thing, there's another layer to this explanation. Based on what we've learned so far, we can explain as follows. What does the Torah want to show us? To illustrate that the true, the, the, the absolute, so to speak, rejection of Cain's offering only happens after Hashem has already paid attention to and accepted Hevel's offering. Because at the time that Cain brought his offering, at that stage you might still believe that Cain has done nothing wrong. It's only when we see the details of Hevel that we now reflectively know that what Cain did was out of line. And in Cain's mind, he doesn't see the problem in advance. Only after Cain sees that what did Hevel his brother bring? The best of his flock. And that's what they to respond to. And he obviously now realizes that's not what happened with him. That's the moment where he can see clearly that his conduct was not appropriate. Now what should have happened is he should have said, Okay, whoops, let me redo this. But at that time, he did not show any regret. And he didn't try anything to fix his mistake and say, oh, you know what, let me go back and I'll bring the best of my produce. He could have brought a second offering, which was the best of the best. 
in Iraq. Oh, now the Torah can tell us. Now the Torah can tell us. You see why Cain is completely off the mark. And therefore, he doesn't take cognizance of the fact that Hevel is the right approach. He doesn't try to emulate it. And therefore, the Ebesha doesn't turn to him. Now, Kfarnis boy, Beover Piomim, Rabbi Sereba says that he's explained numerous times that the Rashi's commentary was also designed for the five year old. I mean, Maschus Atalilmoid Mikro is only now starting to learn Chumash. Which is relevant in our case. The fact that Rashi specifies in his first explanation that Kayan brought the low grade of Zerapishtan of flax, the fact that he told us it's flax, without Rashi telling us anything about what makes flax special, perhaps more than other types of produce, must be because Rashi knows that the five-year-old already knows at this early in his learning of Chumash, he already knows that flax is something special. Where does he know it from? Because Rashi has already earlier explained to us, when the Torah describes the four rivers that flow from Ganadin, tells us that the first one is called Pishon. Rashi gives an explanation, the second of two explanations that he gives. Why is the first river called Pishon? Because on its banks, flax grows. So now the fact that a river and not just any river, the first of four rivers the Torah describes coming from Ganadin, Nikra al Shema Pishton Shemegadel, gets its name because of the flax that it allows to grow. Move on, Shepishton Hudavu Chashabiyosa. Well, then that's the clearest evidence that flax is something very valuable, very special. Now Rashi knows that the child knows this, so by telling us that the kind of produce that Kain brought was flax, he's telling us Kain actually believes that he's bringing something valuable. That helps us understand Kain's psychology and why he thinks that this is an appropriate gift to bring to Hashem and not that he's being disrespectful and showing gratitude in a, an ungrateful way. Because Kain because believed that the key factor that determines whether you're bringing something beautiful to Hashem is the nature of the product you bring. Is this considered a, a valuable product? Yes, then that's what counts. In other words, out of all the species of product that, that you could bring for your offering, if you choose the best species, that's what counts. That's why he chose flax. Because the Torah has already told us that that's something prestigious and dignified. But then Rashi tells us, once he has chosen what he believes to be the best species of product, he then chooses the lesser version, the lesser grade flax out of that species. And that's the advantage that Hevel's offering had. Hevel did not necessarily choose the best species that he could possibly have brought. Once he identified the species he was going to bring, sheep, then he went to find the best out of the sheep to bring. 
Now, Now, something still doesn't really add up over here because we're criticizing Cayenne for choosing the best species but not the best product within the species. Doesn't seem to make sense to me. Monafshach, whichever way you look at it, seems difficult. If Kain is already thinking on those lines, that he wants to bring the best product he's got, what is that? Pishtar. Why on earth would he not bring the best of the best? Why is it bringing the B grade of the best species? doesn't make sense. But that's not a very strong question because look what the Torah says immediately. The very next thing the Torah tells us is that the tells tells that sin crouches at the door. In other words, the Yetzirah is always waiting to catch us. And our nature is to be inclined to be tempted by that Yetzirah. In other words, the Torah is attesting to the fact that the Yetzirah jumped in on the show and dragged Cain into an Avera. But what kind of an Avera? Where was the Yetzirah? On the outside. Crouching at the door, not in the house, at the door. In other words, meaning that the influence the Yitzhahara could make was somewhat superficial, somewhat outside of the system. In other words, the Yitzhahara did not have enough influence over Cain to ensure that he would not be able to bring any gift to Hashem. Or to convince Cain to bring the least valuable of all the species of plants. Couldn't do that. The Yetzirah didn't have that much sway. So all the Yetzirah could do is, could only get him a little bit away from the objective. To convince Cain that the best way to bring a gift to Hashem is to choose the species that is considered the greatest and best species. But once you've already done that, you don't have to do more. It's okay to bring something that is less valuable within that species. But because Rashi says all of this might be a little bit tricky to understand, so therefore, therefore Rashi also brought a potential second answer, or at least in certain prints. Me pre, that when the Torah tells us he took from the produce, that it was just a matter of whatever he found first without specifically choosing the best. And of course, according to the second explanation, we definitely understand why Cain believed that David should accept his offering because it's not like he dafka brought low-grade produce. And why is it in that scenario where he just brought whatever he found, why did Hashem not accept his offering? Because of what happened next. That after he saw that Hevel had brought the best and therefore Hashem had accepted it. That Cain didn't think, oh my gosh, I got this wrong. Let me try again. So it's at that point that But of course, the reason that this is only the second explanation and not even included in certain uh, explanations, because this is also a difficult commentary in and of itself. In fact, the issue 
the problem with this particular explanation is more acute than the problem with the first explanation. In fact, it's such a big issue, to the point that most versions of Rashi don't even include this explanation. Because it's a real stretch to suggest that only because Cain brought ordinary produce, not the very best, for that alone, the Abisha would completely reject his offering. What would that say for us when we daven perhaps without doing our best or when we buy a, a, a mitzvah and we don't necessarily spend the top dollar? That's why Rashi prefers the first explanation that he brought the best product but not the best version of the product. And he established that one to be the primary explanation. Now this is going to teach us something in halacha and subsequently in our personal conduct. From here we can learn one of the amazing halachic insights that Rashi embeds within his interpretation. Something that will help us to understand the halacha and specifically how the Rambam describes the halacha in his, obviously, his legal work. So Rambam paskins as follows. If a person wants to find value and merit for himself, when a person chooses which particular animal species he's going to bring as a carbon, then says the Rambam, he should get the best animal within that class. And then he proves that Firstly, the Rambam quotes the very well-known pasuk that says you should bring all the best to Hashem. And then the Hoysif Kiraya brings furthermore as a proof. Look what it says in the Torah. What was Hevel's offering? The best of his flock. And therefore Hashem turned attention to accept his offering. Now pay, let's pay attention to what, the Rashi, to, to what the Rambam says here. The fact that the Rambam uses this expression. Out of the particular species that the person chooses to bring, he should then get the best of the species. Mashma implies that to bring the best to Hashem, when it says you've got to bring the best to Hashem, it means the best within the category that you have now chosen to bring. But you are not specifically required to choose to bring an offering to Hashem that is dafka from the best of the offerings that are available. In other words, we actually find a practical example of this when a person makes a pledge that they're going to bring a carbon. Says the Rambam, if a person does not specify which animal he's going to bring as the carbon, then what he's got to do is got to bring the best of the particular species that he committed to. Okay, going. So he has a good example. Let's say that a person pledges that they're going to bring a carbon oil, and it's going to come from the species called cattle. So now you've specified the species. What's the requirement to bring the best of the species? Yavishor veloy egel. Person should bring an ox, not a calf. Shuhamuvhor bemin shenodar, which means that once he's already identified which class of being he wants to, which class of animal he wants to bring as his carbon, he now has to bring the best of that class. Now, avolgam oshir noidel chachilim imin pachos vazol yoiser. 
But even if he's a wealthy man, he did not have to choose to bring from cattle. He could even say he's dedicating a bird, which is a far cheaper korban. In fact, the halacha is that if a person says, I'm bringing an oila, without specifying which animal, if it's common in that particular community that when they say oila without specifying, they mean a bird, then maybe oila soif, the person, no matter their wealth, would bring a bird. In other words, what's the Rambam telling us? That kol chedev Hashem to bring the very best Hashem does not require us to bring the top species of creature, only the top creature within the species. Now, but Tzorich and we have to understand this. Din kol chedev Hashem kol lecha'era gamas ha'chedev amuvcha mibein aminim shebiyad adam lahavi. Surely, the simplest understanding of bringing the best Hashem means if there's a range of products that you could have brought, choose the best class of products. How does the Rambam arrive at the conclusion that it only means once you've identified which species you're planning to bring, then Kol Chedev Lashem kicks in and you have to bring the best one out of that species? Based on how we've explained Rashi, we can now say that similarly the Rambam derived it out of this story of Kain and Hevel. Look, the Rambam includes Hevel as part of the proof of his argument, so therefore it's logical that this is where he learned it from. The fact that what kind of offering did Hevel bring from the best within the species? The firstborns and the fattest of the flocks, of of sheep. And he didn't specifically go get an even greater kind of species, cattle. Whereas on the other hand, Cain chose the best kind of plant he could think of, flax, but he didn't bring the best. And you see that Hashem turned his attention to Hevel and gave no attention to Cain. That shows us. The requirement to bring the best Hashem means in the Rambam's words means that once you've identified which class of, uh, of organism you want to bring as your carbon, now you have to find the best one within the class like Hevel, who although he only chose sheep, Chose the best of the sheep, and Lakain, who chose flax, but didn't t- t- bring the best of the flax. The goal is not to find the best species out there. Now, that's all very well. We've got to understand why. Why would the Torah prefer the best item within a range instead of the best range that's out there? This also needs to be explained. How could it be that to bring the choicest sheep is better is better than bringing from cattle, which is the best kind of animals? The explanation is this. Why do we have to bring the best to Hashem? The concept of bringing the best offerings to Hashem is is that in doing so, we acknowledge that everything in the world belongs to Hashem. Everything is Debishter's. Which is why I would then give Debishter the best I have, because it's all his anyway. So why would I keep the best for me? It doesn't make sense. The best goes to David. It's all his. 
Of course, the principle that everything belongs to Hashem literally means every single thing that exists. Whether not only does cattle or flax, the best products belong to Hashem, all products belong to Hashem. So therefore, then it wouldn't make sense that the declaration of the fact that everything belongs to Hashem can only be made in the elite product range. Because the implication would then be anything that's not so elite doesn't belong to Hashem. Because if we would only choose only cattle, only flax, etc. We would not then be acknowledging that the Eibishter is the owner and the controller of every single strata of existence. Besides the practicality that if a person doesn't own and will never perhaps be in a position to own the elite range of products, then they can never fulfill this mitzvah for the responsibility, the requirement is out of what you have and what you choose to give, give the best. Whatever it is that you've chosen to use as your product, in doing that, you're making an incredible public statement that everything that I have belongs to Hashem. And with that in mind, we can understand why Cain was motivated inappropriately, but well-intentioned to Dafka bring from the best of the range of, of products that's out there. That he dafka wanted to bring flax because that's the best kind of plant he could imagine. To understand that, we've got to look at what Chassidus says about Cain. Al-Tarebbe says a fascinating thing. The fact that Cain brought specifically flax links to the fact that that's turned into linen, which is the special white garments that the Kohen Godel would wear on Yom Kippur. So now suddenly we have catapulted Cain from rogue status into somebody who is akin to the Kohen Godel. Why does the Kohen Godel wear white on Yom Kippur? Because that's that white plain clothing represents the world of complete oneness, which of course is the divine reality. The truth is that flax actually grows in a way that represents oneness because each seed produces one single stalk. And therefore, it doesn't represent oneness or unity that is created out of disparity. Like, for example, the four parts of the Lulav. They're four distinct parts, but we bring them all together into a single entity. So depending on which of the four species it is, they've all got an element that unites things. So the Esrug unites the seasons of the year because it grows right through the year. And the Arav is growing bunches, so that represents Achtus in that way. But the actual way that they grow is each one distinct and separate. Pishton, flax, represents the idea of absolute intrinsic oneness, which is where Cain lives. So when Cain brings his offering to Hashem, he's not being ungrateful or slapstick, uh, you know, uh, haphazard. He's trying to draw down absolute oneness of Hashem into this world. 
So therefore, he didn't see the need that once you're in the world of elitism, of the highest level of product that exists, now you're going to start nitpicking about which one of the products is the best. Because the minute you start choosing the best, you're implying that there are things that are not one. Because there's Muvchar, there's Elite, Stam, Ordinary, Gorua, Sab. And then, of course, you'd have to start to acknowledge Hashem is in control and everything belongs to Hashem. And therefore, you've got to choose the best. Kind of saying, why are we making these distinctions? We don't want to live in a world where there are disparate parts that have to be brought into unity. We want to live in a world where there's just one truth. So don't get into the grading of A and B and C. So that's Kain's world. Kain says, as long as I'm talking about Min I'm showing absolute dedication to Hashem because I'm using the best product that there is, I don't have to look any further. Because the minute I look further, I start to see distinction. And I'm living in a world of absolute oneness. So what's wrong then with Kain? Still, he was off the mark. Because really the ultimate state of spiritual development is not to melt away into an environment where there's just absolute oneness. As spiritual and attractive as that sounds. Which would require a person to be completely removed from the reality of this world. And of course, in order for a person to have that level of complete oneness with Hashem by being divorced from the world, if that person would re-enter the world, they would have a spiritual collapse. They would lose their sense of connection and oneness. That's not the goal of Yiddishkeit. But the goal of Yiddishkeit is Echad. Echad which is a completely different kind of one, where you are able to acknowledge that there are different grades and differences in the world, and yet you can bring them all together in a sense of oneness to Hashem by identifying that the best of the best belongs to Hashem. And that is a direct lesson for us. How careful we have to be to ensure that when we do a mitzvah, we do it in the best way possible. Hidurim mitzvah, the most beautiful mitzvah possible. Umar Kayan. Imagine, you're talking about somebody like Kayan, who unlike everybody else's interpretation that he was some kind of a misguided individual. Was at this level of the Kohen Gadol, where he could actually sense and experience the oneness represented by flax. This absolute oneness with Hashem. And yet, Kain, the minute he misstepped and did not bring the best of the best, everything unraveled from there and he totally fell apart. To the point that instead of Hevel's success inspiring him to grow like that, Jealousy that one scholar has of the next scholar, which inspires them to learn more. Instead of being encouraged to add to his contribution to Hashem, which would have had all the value, because then he would have had the best product, flax, and the best one within the product. What happened? He fell all the way down into the world of jealousy until eventually he rose up against his brother. If that's true of Kain, how much more so when you're talking about us? We have to constantly claw and 
sort of, you know, crawl our way, climb our way, grasp our way higher and higher in our Avodah Hashem. Like a person who's literally, you know, grasping their way up the side of a mountain. If you stop moving upwards, we could slip down. And that means practically for us to consistently better the quality of the mitzvahs that we do. That whatever we contribute to Kedusha should be the very, very best. The elite, the triple A grade. When a Jew is willing to commit to Hashem the very best of what he has, repays him with all the very best brachas, not only spiritually but materially as well. From the Eibishter's wide open and holy hand, as in Mitzvah Hashem, we should all be zeichet to have.